It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And you are back with Decal Download. Thanks for joining us. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, along with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, last Friday was a big day in our efforts to help Georgia child care providers and families respond to the impact of the COVID-19 coronavirus. Beginning May 1st, all licensed Georgia child care providers are invited to apply for something we're calling stable payments. That's short-term assistance benefit for licensed entities. These payments represent the first phase of administering $144 million Georgia received under the Federal Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, or CARES. Also on Friday, we opened up Tier 2 of the CAPS Essential Services Workforce to include those who work within the food supply chain, like grocery store workers, farming, and food delivery and pickup. And Commissioner, these are two major steps in both assisting families with child care and helping licensed child care providers in Georgia bounce back from this pandemic. Absolutely. And we were thrilled to be able to finally open up tier two uh, for the the next round for essential workforce for those grocery and, and food supply chain and delivery folks so that they have access to child care while they go to work. And then, of course, uh, we've been working for many weeks on a plan to begin delivering the dollars we receive from the federal government to child care. We know how important child care is, and uh, we are pleased to be able to offer these grants to all licensed child care in Georgia. Let me ask you, before we move to our guest, how difficult, challenging is it to receive an amount of money like that and determine the best way to uh, disperse the funds and, and use them to our best advantage? Yeah, we definitely wanted to be smart about it. Uh, we've done a lot of webinars with providers and have received feedback, probably thousands of comments and questions. So we knew generally that um, the priority was we need to get the money out the door to all licensed child care providers as quickly as possible and use a very equitable methodology for this first round. And so um, we feel good about the process and the methodology that we've used um, and are really happy that all child care providers can benefit from it. And I know that even in the midst of this uh, pandemic and the situation that we're in, you were able to uh, get some feedback from uh, child care providers around the state for, for their ideas. We did. We had uh, we contacted um, a few center providers and a few family child care learning home providers, and we walked through the plan with each of them individually uh, before we released it to make sure that what we had done was sound, it made sense, um, they didn't have any, you know, hard feedback for us. They were really pleased with it overall and thought that it it was easy to understand and were very appreciative that we were sending the money out the door uh, in this fashion and this quickly. I believe we're the only state that's mm-hmm. done this um, this quickly and the only state I've heard so far um, that is delivering money to all licensed child care providers. A lot of states are just limiting their dollars to providers that provide their child care subsidy. That's interesting. Very interesting. And I know it was only a few weeks ago that we heard the money was in the bank, and now uh, we are in the process of receiving these applications. Joining us to talk about stable payments and the CAPS Essential Services Workforce is Elizabeth Casper, Deputy Commissioner for Georgia's CAPS program, and Woody Dover, Enterprise Project Management Director here at DECAL. Folks, welcome to the podcast. 
Thanks. Hey, thank you Thanks for having, for having us. Alyssa Betta, you have been with us several times here on Decal Download, a mainstay here on this program to communicate with all of our CAPS families and providers. But this is Woody's first time. So, Woody, tell us about your background before Decal and then what is your role now uh, here in the agency? Oh, certainly. I'm happy to, to do that. and excited to do that. Um, so I uh, started with the state of Georgia as a budget analyst back in 2006 for what was then called the House Budget Office. So that was essentially a legislative budget analyst. I spent two years there just kind of learning the ropes of what it is that the state of Georgia does as it comes to budgeting from a statewide level. Um, after that, I moved on to the Georgia Technology Authority for close to six years as their budget analyst, all the way up to their um, budget coordinator, essentially managing their overall budget process. And I was fortunate also not only to learn about budgeting, but also learn about technology and how agencies are using technology. So I thought that was a lot of valuable experience that I brought with me to DECAL. And honestly, DECAL was kind of like a dream job for me at the time. I had young children. And it really felt like I was finally in a role where I was going to be at an agency where I could really make do a lot of things to help a lot of people. So um, I came in as our budget administrator in 2014, right after we were awarded the um, Early Learning Challenge Grant and really um, just learned so much about what we do, um, the unique things that we do as an agency relative to the other agencies. Um, and learned how, you know, obviously the, the nuts and bolts of how a Georgia pre-K program works, how our CAPS programs work, as well as, you know, just our overall finances. So, and then just over a year ago, uh, I took a new role as the Enterprise Project Management Director. And in that role, really that I'm focused on just making sure that I'm able to focus on the projects that are deemed, you know, critical by leadership and make sure that um, I'm able to push projects forward. Um, about one example is our quality, CAPS quality rated 2020 goal. And then also the now what's known as the stable uh, payments. A couple of examples of that. So Woody, I had no idea that we started the same year. I just assumed when I came on board in 2014, you'd been around for years because you already knew so much. Um, so that's kudos to you. I will say I have to um, just provide a little bit of joke. There are some folks in the agency that say that all Woody does is put numbers in boxes, um, but he does so much more than that. He really deals with some really complicated funding streams and formulas. I mean, when you're talking about statewide funding of almost $900 million, Woody really uh, leads our efforts in that. But I, I'm going to start with you, Woody, for our questions on the CARES Act, because you played a really important role in uh, determining how to spend that $144 million we received from the feds. So talk a little bit about how we arrived at this model for getting the funding out the door to licensed childcare providers. Certainly. Um, so, Commissioner, as you know, I mean, this is kind of a, a critical point where a lot of things came together that we knew some things that we had not known in the past. Um, one of those is due to our response to the COVID-19 crisis, we we knew whether providers were open or closed um, very in, in real time, more or less. Um, so we took that information. In addition to that, we've been working for several months to develop a cost model for childcare throughout the state of Georgia. And we were wrapping, at the same time this is going on, we had just wrapped up our phase one of that. So we had a, based on what we knew from that exercise, we had a real good idea of what it costs to operate childcare in the state of Georgia. So, um, you know, having those two things was really important because it, it enabled us to know, like, how could we compensate providers based on actual cost incurred 
in addition to knowing relative how that would relate to whether or not they were open or closed. So those were kind of a, it was a critical confluence of, of data that we had never really had before. But we also wanted to, as you know, um, figure out how we could work with the existing funding streams that were already out, going out the door. Really, and that you know that would be caps and, and pre-K. So we were trying to obviously do something that was would round out those existing funding streams and provide something to providers in a way that we've never really done before. You know, just as a point of reference, all of this began, I know most folks probably remember back in March around the 13th or so, I think is when the wheels began to sort of slow down. And by the 16th, we were pretty much in full COVID-19 mode. And here we are at this point already um, getting money out the door to providers. So that is... um, Pretty incredible when when you think about it. Woody, most important for providers who are listening, how do they go about applying for this money? And is there an average amount of money that a provider can expect to receive? Yeah, certainly. So we have what's called Decal Koala. It's essentially a provider self-service portal. Basically, all licensed providers are eligible to apply. Um, And so when they log into their Decal Koala account, they will immediately see a an application button to click into that application and so it's a very simple application um, where they are really will be entering attendance from the month of february uh, they will also be entering their attendance for their caps children as well as their pre-k children and we will use that information to develop a a, a funding amount the funding amount can vary widely because we have just a wide variety of you know it's really relative to the size of a provider and so for some of our family child care providers, it's going to range anywhere from $1,000 to $2,000, um, but from a, but all the way up to maybe tens of thousand dollars for our large providers who may have two to 300 children in attendance over a given month. And there are requirements for how this money can be spent. Can you talk about some of those requirements on spending, Woody? Definitely. We can, uh, so we, we put in place a, an area in the application where we were going to require them to essentially give us a budget in terms of how they would want to spend the money. Some of those are really about staffing, so retaining and hiring staff. So that could be lead teachers, assistant teachers, or other staff that are critical to the function of the program. Um, also, uh, they could enter costs related to their facilities, so maintaining their, their facility or their home, whether it's like a mortgage payment, a lease payment, utilities. Obviously, a big one that provides a lot of flexibility for, for providers is the classroom supplies and materials. Um, obviously, those are you know we want to have this an opportunity for providers to utilize the flexibility to make sure their classrooms are outfitted appropriately. Um, in addition, some new areas that we don't typically um, consider, um, and some of those were tuition relief for families. So they could apply some of this money to offsetting costs where they essentially lowered the amount families are are paying during this time. Another area is um, adhering to CDC guidelines. As we know, um, what we've realized and from hearing from providers is that when open and operating specifically in, you know, within the guidelines the CDC has put out, it, it does cost more to clean your facility and you may need equipment that you're not used to having on and, you know, on site, like PPE type equipment or personal protective equipment, like mask or face mask, gloves. Um, so a lot of those are those are some of the critical areas. And there's a few others that are related to uh, you know food cost, as well as maybe if they need substitute teachers, um, 
But the intent of that was to have give them the ability to tell us how they're going to use the money, but also provide them with the flexibility so they could create a budget that really matches their specific needs. So the deadline for applying is May 15th. We are recording here on May the 5th. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, Woody, was that intentional on our part? Yeah, it was intentional. I mean, we wanted to condense it as much as possible because we wanted to encourage providers to apply as quickly as possible so that that allows us to turn around the payments as quickly as possible. So um, there's no intention to leave people out, but at the same time, we wanted to make sure that we kind of get the process moving and get um, providers paid as quickly as possible. I think the worry was that if it was too long of a time frame, then it might just linger too long. Right. And what do you talked a little bit about on average, you know, how um, how provider how much providers would receive depending on their enrollment. But talk a little bit about how you determine how much money a provider can receive. The first the first aspect was their open and closed status. So as I mentioned earlier, um, for the first time really ever, we had more or less a real time based on providers self-reported status. So we asked all providers to tell us, you know, are you open or closed or are you temporarily closed due to COVID-19? And we asked them to answer yes or no to that. Um, over 90% of providers responded to that question, either yes or no. Um, ultimately, we settled around 30% of providers were remaining open, according to that, and the remainder were closed. So that was the first determining factor. Was a provider open or closed during this crisis? Um, and so what we did, it was you chose the to allow as much time as, as possible for providers to tell us that and report that, we chose April 27th of 2020 at 5 p.m. to be the deadline or the cutoff for assessing whether or not they were open or closed. So then that was the basis. Are they open or closed? And so we had a particular rate available, um, $240 specifically for open programs, $180 for closed programs. And that was that's essentially the private pay base rate. If, if any of their children were in attendance that were already being funded through CAPS, by going through the, the application directions and listing those children, we would not pay the base rate of that amount. We would essentially pay 50% of that. So if a child, so for an open program with a child with CAPS, the, that child being in attendance would make the provider eligible for half or $120 for an open program or $90 for a closed program. The same goes for pre-K. So they were also enter their uh, the number of children that were on a pre-K roster from February who were also in, in their total attendance. And those the provider would be base, reimbursed based on 33% of the base rate. So, for instance, um, it's approximately $79 of the $240 for an open program and $59 of the $180 for a closed program. So we have a real-time checklist on our website for open and closed programs that uh, folks can uh, look up at any time, decal.ga.gov. And I'm looking at it right now at uh, 1120 on May the 5th, and there are 1,917 open programs, 2,379 closed. We're seeing an uptick in that open number every day as we move along with 4,296 licensed child care programs in Georgia reporting. Woody, I know we announced this plan to more than 1,600 participants on a webinar on April 29th. And in our world, 1,600 is a pretty good turnout for a webinar. What kind of response have we received uh, since then? Uh, we've, lot, we've received a lot of good feedback. Um, I think one of the, the the things that is most striking about this effort is that we are um, Inter, you know, providers who we don't normally pay um, for some of our programs are being paid for the first time. And so we're, we're interacting with a lot more providers on a regular basis. 
And we're enabling a lot of providers who wouldn't normally receive any funding from us to receive considerable funding for their program. So um, it's I think it's been a really good experience. Um, and it's been a lot of really positive feedback from the provider community about this. And when you say that, you're saying they don't have pre-K, they don't uh, have CAPS uh, children. Is that what we're talking about? Exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's exactly correct. Yeah. Um, I would look at problem about, I would say, if I had to approximate it, you know, I'd say 25 to 33% of our providers don't receive any kind of payments through pre-K or CAPS. Um, and then some of those might be uh, receiving money through the uh, USDA Nutrition uh, programs, uh, CACF, uh, Child and Adult Food Program and Summer Nutrition Program. But once again, there's many providers that just don't ever receive any type of payments from us at all. We're going to talk to Elisabetta about the CAPS Priority Group. Before we do that, let me ask you one last question, and, and that is um, providers have until May 15th to apply. Let's say someone goes on early and maybe they think of something that needs to be added to their application. Can they access that application again? No, they're not able to. That's one thing we um, we were asking providers to please just take their time. Uh, and there's a worksheet provided through the guidance that enables them to essentially come up with their attendance amounts, calculate what they potentially are eligible for, as well as to use to allocate their budget. Uh, so we're encouraging them to use that because once they submit, it's it's almost a done deal. Um, and But if they do have trouble, we're happy to answer any questions they have. And if they have questions, they can always reach out to DECAL at the email address stable, S-T-A-B-L-E, at decal.ga.gov. Um, and we're encouraging them to come there come there, or to call us first um, through our, our CCS intake line um, if they have any particular questions. Now, if we do, see, we will do a, a review of the payments or the applications as they're submitted. If we see something that looks obviously wrong, uh, we may reach out, we will reach out to that provider to have them resubmit. But that requires deleting those applications and having them resubmit, which would cause a delay and potentially a significant delay in some of them receiving payment. That's why we're asking providers to take their time and, and try to get it as accurate as possible before they submit. And it's not a contest. It's not a race. Take your time. Right. Uh, the only deadline is, is May 15th. That's right. Right. It's not first come, first serve. Everyone's eligible. So you have till May 5th. Take your time because you don't want to have to unsubmit because that will take a lot longer to get your money. Thank you, Woody. We're going to turn to Elizabetta to talk about CAPS. So Elizabetta, in April, we added the new CAPS priority group for medical personnel, first responders, child care personnel, and others on the front line fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. And on May 1st, we opened up Tier 2 of the CAPS Essential Workforce to include those who work within the food supply chain like grocery stores, farming, and food delivery and pickup. How has this program been received so far? Uh, we've had a great response. We have, uh, since we opened the priority group initially in uh, April or on April 1st, we have had over 1,300 folks who passed a pre-screener. Um, so I would call those referrals and we would then determine if they're eligible. And so we've been busy processing those. And then we just opened the tier two that includes the food supply chain you mentioned on May 1st, just, just recently. And we've had great response um, from that group as well. Um, and I think the word is still getting out there and we anticipate that we will um, hear from many more folks who qualify under that tier two of the essential services workforce priority group. 
Now, I know DECAL has allocated 500 slots for the essential services workforce. How much financial assistance would that mean to a qualified family and for how long? So if you um, put it on an annual basis, it would be probably between $5,500 and $6,500 per year of financial assistance to those families. Um, right now, we're issuing scholarships to families in who fall into the priority group of essential services workforce for a three-month period. And um, we have every intention of supporting these families for as long as this public health emergency continues and they continue to need to um, be going out into the workforce um, for their, their occupation. And so if um, it continues beyond that three-month period, we would then extend those scholarships. But since nobody knows exactly how long this is all going to last, we started with three months and we will um, go from there. There's no need for families to have to come back and reapply or do anything at the end of the three months. We are tracking what those dates are, and we would automatically go in and extend those scholarships. So um, if there's any families out there listening, there's no need for them to go in and do anything um, at the end of their three-month period. Let's talk more about Tier 2 and the employees working in the food supply chain. Who is included in that, and are there other qualifications that they must meet? So um, included in Tier 2, who we've added as of May 1st, are um, everybody in the food supply chain. So that would include people like food and grocery store personnel, convenience store personnel, um, some folks like the manager of a pharmacy like CVS or one of those, or the cashiers, people who weren't included in in the actual pharmacy staff that we did include in Tier 1. Um, Food and grocery manufacturing, food processing, farming and food production, food and grocery storage, distribution or transit, and then, of course, food and grocery delivery. And uh, included in that also would be restaurant food preparation service and delivery as well. So let's say someone is listening. They are in those categories. Where should they go to apply for the CAPS Essential Services Workforce? They would go to our qualityrated.org website. And when they get to that homepage, they would find a child care search. They would go ahead and put their information in to do the search. And on the search results page, they're going to see a button they can click to say that they were interested in learning more about financial assistance um, uh, and that they're in the essential workforce. And once they click that button, they would fill out a little bit of information that's a pre-screener for us. And um, they would be told whether they pass that pre-screener. And um, if they do, we receive the referral and we um, go in and process their application for um, being a part of this essential services workforce and approve a scholarship, hopefully, if they meet the other eligibility criteria which are that they meet income requirements based on their family size, that they are uh, meeting our approved activity requirement, which for this priority group would be um, a minimum of 24 hours a week in the um, essential services uh, occupation that they've listed. And then a couple other eligibility requirements around residency and the age of children and whatnot. Um, If for some reason they don't pass our pre-screener, they still are going to be connected with our 
um, uh, the All Georgia Kids uh, uh, Resource and Referral Call Center who would be able to help them to locate childcare that meets their needs. Uh, we want to try to connect any family who is in need of finding open childcare um, with and affordable childcare with um, with those those programs that are open and affordable to them. Well, thank you, Woody and Elizabeth, for uh, that information on those two really important um, policy and financial, I would say, enhancements that we've made recently. I want to talk to you. Um, on a personal level and and ask you, what has been your biggest challenge during this pandemic and public health emergency? What do you want to start? Certainly. uh, The biggest challenge is I think has been the pace. I think as many of us have, we moved to our home-based workspaces. uh, You know, it's been pretty much nonstop. I think we realized that the technology allows us to work very effectively at home. However, when it comes to interacting with others through meetings and decision-making, it requires you to be on calls with them. And what you realize is you might spend your entire day, you know, seven or eight hours straight on calls. Um, And that gets a little bit tough, but um, it's very rewarding at the same time. I mean, I I think at the end of the day, I just, you know, I'm tired and I haven't moved. My step count's pretty low, but, um, uh, but I feel like it's always usually been a very productive day. Yeah, I I would agree with all of that. Um, What about you, Elizabetta? Um, let's see. Number one, finding toilet paper. Number two, finding any kind of Lysol wipe or cleaning product. And I've been actually quite amazed that even Windex is difficult to find. And I don't even think that has any disinfection qualities about it, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, I think I would mirror also what Woody is talking about, just finding a balance between what's happening um, you know, with work when you're working at home and trying to stop work um, so that you do get that other you know, wellness and personal, just taking care of yourself, I guess. And so I think that finding that balance can sometimes be difficult because especially when you're set up at your dining room table, it's just easy to pick it right back up, right? Um, after you've stopped for the, for the day. And so um, but, but I think there's also definitely benefits um, to being, you know, and perks to being able to work at home too. So I think all of us are probably trying to look for a lot of silver linings and bright spots in this difficult time. And um, it's important to find those and so that we all stay positive. I feel kind of like Elizabetta might have had a heads up on that question because she already had a list. <laughs> One and two. I know I knew, what, I'm going to get her I knew we were serious the when next she time said. I go to the store. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Well, listen, yeah, that's the human side. Welcome to the human side of uh, Decal Download here for sure. How are the dogs, by the way, Elizabeth? They're great. They are um, completely in heaven that, that I am around 24-7. They, they don't know what to do with themselves. They get many walks per day. Um, I, like Woody, I'm like, oh, I got to look for ways to keep that step count up because you don't think about it, but you walk around a lot at work when you go into an office or at least our office. And so um, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm barely moving around. So I definitely am trying to walk them a little bit more and they love that. So they're doing great. That's great. And uh, the funny thing is the four of us are all on Skype calls twice a day. And as Woody said, your your office hours really are very, very flexible in a situation like this. We have talked early in the morning. We've talked late at night. 
but our Skype calls are pretty much uh, in stone, you know, 9.30 in the morning, four in the afternoon, and we get to see each other virtually. And so we've met Elizabeth's dogs. I think we, we might've met some of Woody's family at some point. I think everybody has been on, but it's it's been an interesting time. So lots of information on today's podcast. Again, to apply for stable payments, go to the provider portal known as Koala. You know where it is. Now, here's the thing. If you're listening and you're going, I don't know what Koala is. Well, it's not meant for you. <laughs> it's just for providers. So look for the Koala portal. Go on there. You'll be able to access more information, the form, uh, everything right there from your page. And for more information on the CAPS Essential Services Workforce, go to qualityrated.org, or you can call us at one 833 Four, the number four, G-A-CAPS, C-A-P-S. Elisabetta, Woody, thanks so much for being with us. Good luck as we continue on through this, but thanks for all of your dedication and hard work. Thank you for having us. Now your questions from the water cooler. I am Melissa Johnson, an inclusion specialist with the Northeast region with instructional support. My question for the commissioner is, what has been your favorite snack of choice during quarantine? Well, Melissa, I have to admit um, there have been too many snacks consumed during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, unfortunately, but um, my guilty pleasure is anything sweet. And so my daughter and I have done a lot of baking. We've made a Texas sheet cake. We've made a millionaire shortbread. We've made um, sprinkle pinwheel cookies. So uh, we've made a lot of uh, homemade treats um, and they've been really tasty, but we may need to scale back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the holiday season around the Jacobs household. Yeah, it's too much. It's just too much. We've got to stop. But I'm just trying to keep her occupied and some brightness in the house. But um, it's definitely too many calories. <laughs> <laughs> and so easily accessible in our home offices. That's the thing. All right, we got a little time left. Let's take uh, one more question from the water cooler. Hi, I'm Jackie Shivers, and I work in the pre-K division. The COVID-19 crisis is unprecedented, so my question for the commissioner is this. What is the most difficult decision you've had to make so far? Well, Jackie, I don't know if I can pinpoint um, just one difficult decision. There's definitely been a lot of decisions. I think, you know, a lot of positive things that we've made decisions on to help child care providers and Georgia pre-K classrooms moving forward. Um, it was definitely a hard decision to um, to close down our physical offices, hopefully temporarily. Um, but at the same time, I have to say, even with all of those decisions, DECAL has continued to perform at excellent levels, providing excellent customer service, being creative and innovative and resourceful. Um, so even though they've been difficult decisions, I feel like DECAL has responded as positively as possible. And I'm really proud of that part for sure. And we would be remiss if we did a podcast on May the 5th. 2020 without thanking all of our employees. This is State Employee Recognition Week. And while normally that involves cake in the break room and a lot of activities around the office, we are still trying to celebrate it this year with some virtual activities and videos. But I know you want to thank our team, uh, especially this year, maybe more this year than ever before, uh, because of just the way their flexibility, their uh, ability to just continue staying focused through this whole process. 
Absolutely. The entire decal team, all 700 plus uh, staff have been incredible um, during this time. They've, they have definitely been flexible and innovative and creative and resourceful um, and patient, uh, you know, all while facing their own challenges, working at home with maybe, you know, spouses and parents and children at the same time. So, um, you know, I always call decal the gold standard in state government. And I don't have to say um, they continue to prove me right. So um, I appreciate everything that decal continues to do uh, to support our stakeholders, our childcare community, families and teachers. And I know we'll continue to do great things, no matter if we're in the office or if we're at home. So um, that will continue. And uh, thank you to all of the decal team during state employee recognition week. And it's time for the Decal Download Quiz, your chance to win a nice prize by answering a question correctly and having your name drawn from all the correct answers. Here's the question. What does the acronym STABLE stand for? S-T-A-B-L-E. What does that acronym stand for? Email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers and you will be a winner. Good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.